You're a Jags fan, you're an NFL fan, and it's simple. You're looking for the best Jaguars content, and that's right here on the Pooji Podcast every single week. Subscribe to the channel, like the video, comment your thoughts, tell your friends about us. Let's go. What is he doing? Nah, bro, I think he's legit. You just can't do that in that situation. Nah, you couldn't be more wrong. Yeah, I could agree with that. This is the Poogee Podcast. What is up, Pooge crew? Another glorious week here on the Poogee Podcast, episode 147. Thank you for tuning in and clicking the video or listening on the go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. But nonetheless, appreciate you being here for an exciting episode, recapping a Jaguars Thursday night football victory, looking ahead to week 17 of the NFL season. But let's welcome in Kyle to the podcast, episode 147. Thanks for being here, sir. Yep. Thanks again for having me. Of course, of course. How are we feeling? I mean, it's been a few days since the uh, the Jaguars went into New York, into the Meadowlands, if you will, and dominated the New York football Jets. How are we feeling following that game? Yeah, it's great, honestly. Um, one of those games where, again, we're not a great team. We're, we're not a team that should steamroll a team like the Jets. That's a game that is going to be physical and going to be played close. Obviously, the score um, you know, was a, a decent margin. The weather obviously had a big factor for both teams. Um, but it, it's good to know, like like I mentioned a few weeks ago, the Jets are on the down uh, downslide. Um, I don't really believe in them, and it's a really good sign that we were able to handle them. Um, not a lot of production out of their offense. Again, it was rainy, but we were dealing with the rain too, and we were able to put up some numbers. So the fact that we were able to kind of take advantage of uh, uh, not a great offense plus the weather, I think that's the outcome that that you would expect. Yeah, you've been selling the New York Jets every week like hotcakes on a Sunday morning, so I don't think you're surprised at all. And quite frankly, I'm not surprised. Realistically, this team has evolved into a team that feels like it wins games it's supposed to win, which we will get to here in a second with Week 17's matchup versus the Texans. But this is a team that over the last five years or so has lost games we felt like they should win. Hell, the team really hasn't been good enough in the last five years to feel like they should win certain games. We're kind of trending in that direction if we haven't already gotten there. And the Jags beating the Jets 19-13 to on Thursday Night Football kind of solidified that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we should beat the teams that we're supposed to, but that's not always the case. And it's not always the case even with good teams in the league. Um, you know, not to dwell too much on the games earlier this season, but, you know, the way we've been playing, I feel like the Broncos and the Texans earlier this year, those two games, if we would have won those, we're, we're sitting in the playoffs right now, I believe. Yeah, looking back, there's obviously room to say shoulda, coulda, woulda, and we would have already clinched. Obviously, that wouldn't make Week 18 any more exciting uh, than it is right now, but it would be nice to sit here uh, before New Year's Eve thinking, okay, we're already in the playoffs as divisional winners. Obviously a five-game skid by... What's up, Kyle? Well, I was going to say, even if we did win those two games, we'd be nine and seven, right? No, we'd be nine and six right now. So if we lost the last two, nine and eight, technically we probably wouldn't have clinched just yet, but we would have been a lot better off because we would only need to win one of the last two games, I think. Yeah, I mean, we we are currently at seven and eight right now, which, you know, three game win streak, five of the last or four of the last six um, with those losses coming to the Chiefs uh, right before the bye. And then the Lions two weeks after the bye sitting at seven and eight, you pick up one or two of those before the bye. You're sitting at, you know, eight and seven or potentially nine and six. And with the Titans on a five game skid, they look lost. They're a one dimensional team. Uh, I don't think anyone has faith in them right now, but with the Jaguars beating the Jets first. All right, here's a trivia question. Early trivia for you. Jaguars over the Jets on Thursday night football was their first primetime road victory in how many years, Kyle? Jags' first primetime home victory since... Road victory, road victory. Road victory in primetime. In the last how many years would you say? I mean, we get one primetime game a, a year. We usually lose... I'd say every other one's at home. I don't know. Probably like 11 years. 22 years. Wow. 22 years. So since 2000, 
was the last time the Jaguars won a primetime game on the road, which is just absurd. You're right. I mean, the statistics are there to show you the Jaguars are the least primetime viewed team in the league, uh, one a year, and that's ever since the NFL pretty much guaranteed every team a primetime game. That's the only reason we get one, and half the time it is at home on a Thursday night, and it feels like it's typically against the Titans. But it was nice to kind of get that monkey off our back and, and go out there and and win a primetime game on on – on national TV, national spotlight, you know, hot, hot lamp in New York media. Um, they're crumbling up there, which is great to be the cause of that. And it appears as though Zach Wilson is pretty much done in New York. The Zach Wilson experiment seems to be over. What are your thoughts on that, Kyle? Yeah. And I know, I know we talked about it previously. Um, I, part of me feels bad. Part of me, you know, he's a young kid in a second year on not, not a great organization, at least in recent years. Um, they do have a great defense. They have some good weapons around them. Brees Hall going out really sucked, though. Um, but, yeah, clearly the offense is not responding to him. The team doesn't seem to buy in. Um, they definitely seem to like playing for anybody but Zach Wilson a little better when Mike White's come in, when Flacco had a play, when the guy that I don't even know his name came in against the Jaguars. Straveler. Um, yeah, they just seem to respond better, which, you know, it does suck. I, I never like seeing people fail in this league, especially young kids that are, are just trying to get their shot. So hoping for the best. I, I think he's learned some lessons about accountability, about, um, you know, just being able to say the right things in press conferences, not taking accountability for, you know, that lackluster performance against the Patriots. Um, I think ever since then, he kind of lost the locker room. And, you know, he, he knows that too. Believe me, he's not sitting there like thinking that he didn't, mess up I, I even if he's not showing it i can guarantee you he's you know really regretting this year so far yeah and i mean i feel like he could easily have one of those you know journeyman type uh careers where he goes and finds a home somewhere else um you know potentially with the buccaneers or with the panthers or, or a team like that that either has an an older quarterback or in no answer at quarterback at the end of the day he was still the number two overall pick which does hold some credence to, to his skill level. Um, but I will say this, here are his stats so far this year. Eight games, 54.9 completion percentage, just under 1,600 passing yards, 7.1 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, six interceptions, and 100 yards on the ground with a rushing touchdown and a fumble. Um, I don't know if those are updated following the uh, Thursday night loss, but he did get benched in the second half for the fourth string quarterback, Streveler. Mm-hmm. I think it was Chris Streveler, a Canadian Football League hero, won the Grey Cup for, I believe it was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers up there in Canada. Um, so you're the number two overall pick getting benched for that guy. That's not going to do well for your own psyche, uh, for your own morale. But the team kind of responded, the Jets, the Jets did, that is, when Streveler came in, kind of a Taysom Hill-style quarterback, for those that were able to watch it um, was kind of difficult. It seemed like for the Jaguars to adjust a little bit and in the jets, they didn't come away with any points from Streveler, but they did start moving the ball a little bit. Any concern there from you, Kyle? No, I mean, it's a a quarterback. We don't have film on um, comes into the game with Zach Wilson. We schemed against him. We had him flustered. Uh, That guy coming in, he has nothing to lose. He has absolutely nothing to lose. He knew the fans. It wasn't going to get any worse. It's not like the fans were going to start booing him, the fourth string quarterback that's come in for the fourth quarterback of the season. So in those situations, you know, it's easy for the backup to just kind of play free and not really worry about the consequences. But like you said, we didn't give up any points to him. So. I think we may have lost Kyle there. Um, but to finish out what he was saying, it, it is oh, difficult to steam. Nice. Kyle, are you there? Yep. All right. Uh, you cut out there for a little bit, so I may have been talking over you on the recording. Apologies about that. Um, but for those, if it did cut out for everyone, it is a little bit easier for a backup to come in and, and get some get some uh, points, get some yards, score some touchdowns just because there is no film. Um, the Jaguars kind of played a bend-don't-break defense in the second half. They were picking up yards converting a few fourth downs uh, before a goal line stand within the 10 yard line to keep it, you know, a a 10 point game in the second half. Um, But I think what's interesting to me about this game was we knew going into this, it wasn't going to take much offense. Hell, a touchdown would have won this one uh, for the Jaguars. Uh, So we knew it wasn't going to take a lot of offense, 
But considering the weather and kind of considering the Jets defense and how good they've been, uh, you know, they did only allow 19 points in this game. They've been averaging 18 points defensively uh, this season. So they were kind of right on par. Uh, How refreshing was it or how nice was it to see the Jags defense kind of step up and do their job and really make a bad offense even worse in the Jets? Yeah, I mean, we had, what did we have, three turnovers, two interceptions and a fumble recovery, or two fumble recoveries yep. and an interception? Yeah, including the kick strip. That was the accidental strip with the, the foot. Kick strip, kick strip gotta love it. Love um, it. But the defense stepped up. You can tell they're confident. Uh, very, very uh, unfortunate what happened with Smoot. We've been a big fan of Smoot. Um, and hopefully, you know, we have a next man up mentality. Hopefully Walker is healthy and ready to go for, if not the Texans game, at least the season finale, because um, we certainly need all hands on deck. Yeah, Smoot is out and Cam Robinson left uh, the Cowboys game. Those are, um, you know, two huge pieces of this team. Obviously, Smoot is is probably the unsung hero, one of the longest tenured Jaguars at this point uh, for the team. And uh, Cam Robinson in his fifth year as well for the team. Um, you know, he's on a franchise tag right now. I believe both those guys were playing for a contract. Both those guys earned a contract. It felt like, uh, you know, finding great players on the defensive side or on the D line and the O line is very difficult to do. Sometimes you do have to settle for average to above average or just sustainable. I think cam Robinson was doing a fine job with Trevor Lawrence, the, with Trevor Lawrence's ability to throw the ball quickly it made Cam Robinson look that much better. Um, so anytime you have a quarterback that can make quick decisions, a below average offensive lineman is going to look better. Hell, we've talked about it before. The Jags offensive line allowing you know zero sacks in six games this year, leading the NFL. Um, so that speaks for itself there. Losing Smoot in kind of a, a garbage time situation late in the second half, not really a need to be on the field, but you need those live reps, of course. His Achilles injury out for the season. Um, you know, is there how, how much concern is there on losing those two guys if this team were to make a run into playing football mid-January? Yeah, it, it sucks, especially like you said, two guys that were coming up on possibly a new contract. I was going to ask about that, where Smoot was at with that. Um, Robinson, somebody that I feel like struggled some when he was out of college, but definitely has been playing better the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, more importantly, with the offensive line, when you have good teams – in teams that, you know, can pass well and run well, the offensive line is usually a team in a unit that's been consistent. You know, they don't miss games because of injury. There's not a lot of turnover. Players aren't getting cut. It's teams that, you know, players that have played 16, 17 games the whole season together. Um, and that's both for themselves to work amongst each other and be able to communicate and kind of know, and as well with the quarterback and the running back. So there's definitely something to be said about um, consistent starts from the offensive line. Um, so it, it is a shame, especially left tackle, you know, most important position on the line, protecting Lawrence's backside. Um, I hope he has a speedy recovery. I hope we're able to replace Robinson and figure it out. Um, and as far as Smoot, like I said, um, been a big fan of his. I hope he still gets a contract that he was playing very well. No doubt in my mind that they were going to, you know, give him a new contract. Yeah. And just to hit on that offensive line point, there was also a scare in the game where it looked like Brandon Sheriff had a, a serious injury. He's been a stellar right guard for the Jaguars opposite of Tyler Shatley on the left side, Luke Fortner uh, at, at center position, this team, this offensive line, this unit has played a lot of games together this year. Losing Cam Robinson will be big, but Walker Little does have some live game reps uh, dating back to last season. He stepped in. Uh, he allowed a few pressures. The first strip sack fumble um, was was actually kind of caused by a, a Walker Little, I don't want to say missed block, but he just got bull rushed right into Trevor Lawrence and it just got messy. Um, last thing on this game, though, because there's really not a lot to talk about. I mean, Trevor Lawrence did what he had to do, and sometimes that's what it takes. You're not going to have uh, every game be, you know, 300 plus yards and four touchdowns like we've seen. Uh, but he played well, 20 for 31, 229 yards. Um, kind of, kind of left the rest up to Riley Patterson drilling four field goals for this football team, which is huge for the special teams. Shout out to those guys. Uh, and then Foyer Aluakon just continues to be a tackling machine on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he has 162 tackles on the year, Foyer Aluakon does, and he leads the NFL last year and this year he currently leads the NFL. Rayshon Jenkins on the back end is playing out of his mind. Andrew Wingard is like a guy that people were, you know, 
booing out of town over the last three years, and now he's finding valuable playing time. The defense is really coming together. The offense is looking good. They did what they had to do to win. Anything else from you, Kyle, on this Jaguars-Jets game? Um, yeah, the Jets only had 10 first downs. They were two for 13 on third down, one for five on fourth down. So that's huge for the defense, getting them off the field, not allowing them to extend the play or the drive rather. I mean, I don't care who's starting or what the weather looks like. If you can do that, that's how you win the games. Um, Trevor Lawrence, 51 rushing yards, again, running the rock. Well, I want to keep that up. Whether the, uh, whether the weather is rainy or sunny, um, I think that he should be running a lot. There should be more uh, options that he's running or just good, you know, scrambling in general. So uh, other than that, yeah, we only had three penalties, 35 minutes, times of time of possession. Those are the things I always look at. Um, the fumble on the opening drive, it's infuriating. There's no excuse for it. I don't care about the weather. you got to protect the ball. That's our third fumble on the opening drive this year. Um, and that's that's not how you win playoff games. That's not how you make the playoffs, and that's certainly not how you advance in the playoffs. Yeah, and the game really could have taken a turn for the worse there. Uh, the the Jets getting the ball on the 15-yard line, knocking on the door without throwing one pass or running the ball once. Uh, the D, D stepped up, held them to a, a field goal, uh, which almost was missed. Could have been a second shutout for the Jags defense this year, the first being 24-0 uh, in Week 2 against the Colts. But Andre Sisco blitz off the edge, sacked Zach Wilson, and that pretty much set the tone for the rest of the game. Evan Ingram had himself a game. He, he just set the Jaguar single-season record for tight end receptions. He's nine yards away or eight yards away from setting the yardage um, record for the Jaguars franchise for tight ends uh, right behind Kyle Brady. Uh, true Jaguar fans remember remember him. But while we're on tight end, shout-out Mercedes Lewis still doing his thing in Green Bay. Uh, just got just a touchdown awesome. and a, a big, uh, I think it was on third down up the sideline. So that was, yeah, I mean, vintage Mercedes Lewis looking good. Um, but let's move forward again. Those listening. Thanks for being here on episode 147. Let's look ahead to the Jaguars Texans week 17 matchup. Texans coming off an upset victory, 19 to 14 over the Indian, uh, over the Tennessee Titans, excuse me. Uh, and the Jaguars coming off a victory, of course, but both these teams coming in off wins. Texans sit at two twelve and one, I believe. Jaguars at seven and eight. Kyle, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, I said it last week that the Texans are better than you know some other teams in this league that have a better record. They play tough. I think I maybe had that as my upset special. I can't remember, but I was big on the Texans last week. I would imagine they're going to come into this game playing tough, ready to play spoiler, um, and rightfully so. I do not blame them. So this is not a spot where we should take it lightly. I'm looking at the standings. The Texans have two wins. The Bears have three. So I know um, you know that first overall pick might be on their mind. I don't think the Texans are uh, going to intent intentionally tank because they've been playing so well. Um, so, yeah, uh, other than the momentum and, and the toughness that the Texans have been showing, um, I'm not necessarily worried about the stats and you know what the sheet is saying based on their performance. Um, they let up the most rushing yards per game. I think we're 11th in rushing yards per game, so that should match up well. Hopefully we just continue to pound the rock. Um, this past week we had, I think, over 140, 150 rushing yards. Um, Want to do that again. The Texans are letting up 168 per game. They're letting up the most uh, – they're allowing, excuse me, the – second or third to most uh, yards per game, um, most rushing yards per game. And they let up uh, like, you know, the fifth most points per game. So a lot of things pointing our direction. Um, they don't gain a lot of yards on their end. Uh, they're not the type that's going to just run up and down the field all game. They have long drives that milk the clock. Uh, and that's kind of how they play it. Yeah. Davis Mills seems to be a pretty, uh, pretty, respectable starter in this league for not really being on a big market team <laughs> from Jacksonville talking about big market teams yeah. uh, or, or a high draft pick, but Davis Mills has held his own. He stuck through it uh, with the Texans after two very poor seasons, uh, but he's playing well. He's playing well enough for that team to win. And they're one or two pieces away from upsetting uh, a few very good teams in this league. The chiefs a few weeks ago being one of them. So, the Texans are no one to sneeze at. Uh, earlier this season, the Texans uh, were a game that we felt like the Jaguars could use to get back on track after a few losses. Now this is a game where the Jaguars can solidify themselves as dominant forces in the AFC. We need to come out and really manhandle this team 
to solidify ourselves as a contender in the AFC, at least uh, to, to win one or two games in the playoffs, which would be massive for this franchise. This is not an opportunity for, or this is not a moment where the Jags need to slip up and lose faith or demoral, demoralize themselves before a massive week 18 game against the Titans. They need to keep doing what they're doing, take advantage of Trevor Lawrence's skill and his growth and really go out there and win. The Texans have no one on their team that are going to scare you. Um, Damian Pierce is out for the season. I think their best receiver is Brandon Cooks or Nico Collins. Jordan Akins is their tight end. Shout out UCF. And on the defensive side of the ball, really not much to be worried about. So this team has to come out and really just dominate from start to finish. No first drive fumbles or interceptions. No turnovers. Just come out there and do what we're supposed to do like we talked about. Let's win some games we're supposed to win. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and it's crazy because they, you, like you mentioned about their defense, but you know, the last three games, uh, they let up 27 to the Cowboys. That's probably about their average and then 30 to the chiefs, but that went to overtime and then only 14 last week to the Titans. All those were one score games. They won last week. So, you know, they're still making it work somehow. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I agree with that. I, I think we need to, um, you know, take this as an opportunity to, to really fine tune some stuff and make sure that we're ready to go for, for the following Sunday. Cause obviously if we lose this game, it doesn't matter, but we can't be thinking that we can't be thinking the Texans are trying to tank or not trying their hardest. People think that teams just automatically tank when they're bad, but no, 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 that's not the case. Those players they're playing for a roster spot on the Texans for next year. They're playing for free agency money. They're playing to be put on tape and to be spotted by some scouts because you know, there's turnover in the NFL, 10%, 15%. I don't know the numbers, but um you know, they need to put stuff on tape. So they're going to be trying their damnedest. Make no mistake about it. Yeah. And I think uh, that's a great point, actually. I think as fans, sometimes we look at it as, as one unit, one team, one unit. And it's a lot easier to say that team is trying to tank or that team is, is point shaving or whatever it is. In reality, it's 53 men. It's coaches on coaches trying to earn their way in the league. Um, I don't think tanking is, I don't support it in this league. I did when Trevor Lawrence was coming out of college, but it's one of those things where you would like to think every player is giving their best effort going into every game. And at this point, they're playing with nothing to lose. And they're probably sick and tired of hearing about the Jaguars and how good the Jaguars are. And it's their divisional rival and and what the Jags are going to do in December and January. They're come, They're, they're going to be at home waiting for Jaguars to arrive and try and spoil our dinner party. They're going to rain on our parade and do the best they can to not let us make it to the playoffs. That's how these things work. That, that's how these divisional rivals treat each other in the NFL. No one wants to see anyone do well, especially if it's a divisional rival. I don't think we need to be sleeping on this team and looking ahead to the Titans. This is first and foremost the priority. But let let's, since we're a podcast and we're able to do this, let's look ahead since we've talked about this game a little bit because there's obviously a lot going on with the Jaguars and the playoffs. So let's talk about the playoffs real quick and let's look at some scenarios for the Jaguars to make the playoffs. So on the screen, you'll see it here. If you're watching, it's simple. If the Jaguars beat Tennessee in week 18, they're in the playoffs. If the Jaguars lose to Tennessee in week 18, they're not in the playoffs. It's that simple, short and sweet, but there is still a chance that this team can make a wild card spot by a few scenarios happening. And those scenarios, shout out Lamar Odom on Twitter, um, Jonathan L. Odom. Thank you for uh, spelling this out for us. Uh, but if the Dolphins, Jets and Steelers all lose week eight, uh, 17 and then the Dolphins and Patriots lose week 18, the Jaguars can still get in with a win versus Houston and a loss against Tennessee. So this game could matter. Uh, it's kind of easier uh, spelled out here for you. Teams you need to see win on week 17 and week 18 uh, for these next two weeks. But Kyle, thoughts right now on, on the Jaguars, on these scenarios, on the potential of making the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, like we've been saying since uh, two weeks ago, we just need to win out. That still holds true. Try to win out. And if something you know happens in week 18 where we do beat the Texans and then for some reason the Titans game, we lose, um, you know, hopefully those other things happen. But those only things those other things only happen if we win this week. So, um, you know, that's where we got to start. Yeah, nothing matters if you don't win. I want to pull this up uh, because I've talked to you about this. I put this out on Twitter 
but this 2022 season is very resemblant of the 1996 season. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see this on the screen now. In 1996, the Jaguars were 3-6 and six going into the Week 10 bye, came out with a win against the Ravens, similar to 2022, got blown out on the road uh, in Week 12, and then came out and won five straight to close the season and make it as a wild card. The Jaguars in 2022, here's their schedule currently. They've won three of their last, of their five final games, excuse me, four of the last five, but three of the five down the stretch. And uh, two more will pretty much solidify the pattern we see in 1996 team. Um, And I think that's just a testament to a young team going through the growing pains and really figuring it out and figuring out how to win and come together for these meaningful games. This team was three and seven not too long ago. Uh, You know how easy it is for a team to lose faith and lose hope and, and roll over? You're, you're more than halfway through the season, 17 game, 18 game season, excuse me, 17 games, right? 17. Yeah. Yep. 17 games, 10 games in your three and seven. This team didn't quit. The team didn't die. The team did not stop competing and they currently sit at seven and eight. Kyle, talk about the, uh, the resiliency we've seen from this team from those uh, first half uh, one point losses to what we've seen now. Yeah, definitely easier to stay in the season and stay confident and optimistic when the games you're playing are tough, when they're hard fought, and when you're having an opportunity to win at the end of the game. If you're getting blown out, if you're not in the game, if you're not even holding the lead at all, um, pretty easy to check out for the season and not have any hope. But, um, you know, as we discussed, that Chiefs game was the only uh, – that and the Lions was the only uh, double-digit loss this year. Losses this year, two possession losses this year. So um, we've been a competitive team. It sounds like the players know that. They can feel it. Uh, Again, the Giants a yard short at the end, the interception on the final drive uh, of the Broncos game. Um, That first game against the Texans was just ugly and, you know, generally speaking, just not a good game. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very it's very difficult um to look back and and try and be uh, upset seeing where this I team mean, has come now. Uh, it's very it's very difficult to do that. But when you look at the schedule from earlier in the season and you see how many close losses they had, I'd like to kind of use it as a silver lining moment of okay, maybe those close losses helped this team grow into what they are now. They've built character and, and they're now dominating uh, some of their opponents that they're playing 36-22 a few weeks ago against the Titans, obviously winning in overtime against the Cowboys as well. Um, so those close losses, they do matter, um, not only for the standings, but also for character development uh, for each player on the team. Um, but it, we'll see where it takes us. I mean, this is a, a good opportunity for the Jags uh, against the tit- uh, Texans to really solidify themselves in this league and in this division. Let's take a look at the AFC South standings right now. As you can see, the Jaguars are in first place over the Tennessee Titans, holding the tiebreaker over the Titans with the victory in Nashville a few weeks ago. Colts and Texans eliminated from playoff contention. Both Jaguars and Titans sitting at 7-8. and eight. Kyle, trivia question. AFC South trivia question for you. When was the last time the Jaguars beat both the Colts, Texans, and Titans all in the same year. It is a it is a tough, tough question to think about. Yeah, because um, we usually get swept by the Titans or the, the Colts or something, or the Titans or the Texans. No, we usually get swept by the Titans, but um, I'd say like 2009. 2010, you were really close. But a lot of people would think 2017, the year we won a bunch of games. But no, we lost to the Titans both times that season. Last time we we beat all three teams in the same season, 2010 uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Blaine Gabbard, I believe, um, was the the quarterback then. Uh, But the Jaguars history versus the Texans is not the greatest. Uh, Nine straight losses to the Texans. Uh, They're two and 15 in the last 17 and they are 4-20 and 20 in the last 24 games. That's not good at all, because you know a lot of those teams also suck. That's the thing. Yeah. As bad as we were, they were equally as bad most times. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the, the, what, the Texans came in a couple years after the Jags, right? Yeah, I think 2001. And I know we've made, you know, three AFC championships, and that's great. So our highs have been much higher, but 
everything else, our average years or our bad years, it's pretty much the same as the Texans. So they are they are a combined twenty eight and thirteen against the Jaguars in their history. Forty one matchups. They are twenty eight and thirteen, uh, which is probably pushing one of the best winning percentages against a conference uh, divisional opponent in the entire NFL. I would imagine, except maybe like the Patriots and the Jets or something. Yeah, maybe, but 28 and 13 against one team in your division. What is that? That's sitting right around 73% or something like that. Probably more 20. Yeah. 28 out of 41. 41. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a very high winning percentage, but the Jaguars will look to uh, put that to rest this week in week 17 in Houston at 1 PM. Kyle, let's get to score predictions for this week against the Texans. What are your thoughts? I think the Jaguars are going to win 30 to 10. No holding back. You think they just stay on the throttle and dominate? I'm concerned. I think they have to. I think that if they want to beat the Titans, if they they have to come out slinging. This cannot be a, you know, like we were saying, rest the starters or whatever. Like there's absolutely no need for that. We're not a good enough team to try to be cute with that. If somebody's hurt, if somebody's like, you know, could play, could not, like I understand, but – yeah, it's it's uh, going to be interesting to see if the starters do play and all that good stuff because there's obviously always a chance that the uh, the starters do get some rest, especially in the second half. If it is a blowout, we'll see. Um, I am I am slightly concerned about this one just from the standpoint of who knows uh, who knows what that that history scares me. The history we just went through is what scares me. This is a big spot for Trevor Lawrence to really come out and show that he is. Uh, I mean, he's shown that he's a superstar quarterback, but, you know, these types of games, superstar quarterbacks win these types of games. And it's his opportunity to come out and show he is uh, he's not afraid of the spotlight. He's not afraid of the big moment. Um, I feel like this is the type of game he comes out and just controls from start to finish uh, and doesn't let the Texans even have a sense of hope during the entire game. I'm going to go with 27 to 13 in this game. Uh, for the Jaguars, I think they get the job done. Uh, and real quick, shout out Travis Etienne hitting a thousand yards rushing uh, for the Jaguars. He's only the fourth rusher in Jaguars history to do it. Can you name the other three, Kyle? Mm, Freddie T, of course. Yep. MJD. Yep. And James Stewart. Yeah, or, the first part, right? Uh, James. James. Oh, James Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, the, no. the the most recent one. Yeah, James Stewart. So, uh, he wasn't on. Was he on the Jags? Who am I thinking of? Yeah, James Stewart was. Okay, okay. Yeah, he was one of the first Jags backs. In, yeah, James Robinson, of course. With Natron Means, yeah, James Robinson, the the fourth one there. Travis Etienne joins that trio of thousand yard running backs, uh, which is awesome for him. Uh, if he could hold on the ball a little bit tighter, I would like that. But uh, general NFL, Kyle, let's get to this real quick, briefly. Uh, what are you buying after week 16 of NFL action, Kyle? Um, let me see. Let me see. I'll go. I'll start it off because okay. I am buying that the Green Bay Packers. No. Should I buy that? Thoughts on yeah. the Packers, Kyle? Yeah, that's kind of what was going to be mine. I think I said it before this week that they were going to beat the Dolphins. I know I told uh, my friend Tyler and our uncle that the Packers were going to win that. Um, You know, they beat the Rams the previous week. They have the uh, Vikings, I believe, next week and then end it with the Lions. So two division opponents that are going to be tough. But um, I think Aaron Rodgers, I think they were playing a little rope-a-dope, or at least, you know, if not intentional, they were not clicking. But Aaron Rodgers, he's kind of got that, you know, cool, calm demeanor, uh, not a worry in the world. So I think that they will end up winning out and potentially make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they look good. They obviously had a lot of turnover this last offseason, losing Devontae Adams, and it took them some time to click. But Christian Watson's proven to be one of the uh, better wide receivers in the league. Romeo Dobbs is is looking decent as well. So seems like they are finally clicking. I'm actually going to buy a team that at this point of the season is not garnering a lot of respect or, or love or talk at all. I'm going to buy the Carolina Panthers um, because this is a team that traded the number one running back or a top three running back in the NFL and Christian McCaffrey at the trade deadline. They fired their head coach a few weeks ago, Matt Rule. 
And all that has happened since then is this team has gotten in contention in the NFC South with wins over the Lions and the Seahawks and the Broncos, 10-point loss to the uh, to the Ravens, uh, and a 8-point loss to the Steelers, and a 10-point win against the Falcons. So this team is 4-2 uh, and two over their last six. Uh, you trade your star running back and you fire your coach. Things typically go south. But they do have Steve Wilkes, and they do have a young team that if they can get the right personnel in there, uh, I think Steve Wilkes has coached himself into a starting job opposite of Jeff Saturday. Um, but what the Panthers are doing right now is, is pretty awesome uh, to see them still in the in the hunt for the NFC South with a big, big game coming up against the Buccaneers who look like a shell of themselves. So I'm going to be buying the Carolina Panthers this week. Yeah, no, that's a good call. And I, you know, hand up. I had the Lions, I think, as my favorite, favorite last uh Last week, and they completely fell flat. So kudos to the Panthers. Yeah, uh, that was a, a tough loss for the Lions uh, that really, really affected their playoff chances. Um, luckily for them, a few other teams lost that they needed to lose, including the Seahawks, uh, which was a big one for them. Still a chance for the Lions, not writing them off yet. We could still see Lions-Jaguar Super Bowl, which the NFL world would love. Um, mm-hmm. But the Lions take a huge hit there. Kyle, are you buying the Packers? Was that your buy for week 16? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll go with that. I mean, might as well. Good as anything okay. else, that I'd say. Okay. And uh, what are we selling after week 16, Kyle? You got any good things to sell? I mean, I've already sold the Jets. I've sold the Charger, or maybe I bought the Chargers. Um, something that I thought was interesting, the Browns versus the Saints game. Uh, very, very cold. Coldest game in Cleveland history. Um, and for some reason, Kevin Stefanski, that's the coach of the Browns, right? Yep. He just wanted to throw the ball to Sean Watson. It wasn't, you know, a blowout. It was a very close game. Uh, Deshaun Watson had 31 attempts, 15 completions. So under 50% passing, um, compared to the saints who Andy Dalton was eight for 15. Uh, it was, you know, like 10 degrees out. You have two, probably one of the best running back duos in the league with Kareem Hunt, and Nick Chubb. Uh, I mean, Nick Chubb did get 24 carries, Kareem Hunt seven, but I think they should have ran the ball easily over 40, 45 times that game, um, especially just given the momentum and the pace of the game. The Saints weren't like, you know, going downfield or anything either. Um, so that's, that just didn't make sense to me. I was watching that game and they were throwing it and then the Saints were just pounding it with Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara and they ended up winning. Well, if we're on the if we're on the topic of selling coaching decisions, a la the Browns only throwing the ball and not just pounding it with Chubb and Hunt, I'm gonna sell uh Ron Rivera and the Washington Commanders uh benching Taylor Heineke for Carson Wentz. I understand Carson Wentz is the big name guy, you know, led the Eagles to a huge season in 2017, even though Nick Foles gets credited with the Super Bowl, rightfully so, he won it. Mm-hmm. But going away from Taylor Heineke just kind of rubbed me the wrong way there. I feel like he's proven enough to uh, retain the starting job there in Washington. I agree. It's uh, it's a tough look there for some of the coaching. And where are we at with the Dolphins, Kyle? Where are we at with Tua? Where are we at with the Dolphins? This is a team everyone was excited about. A month ago, where are we at with them? Yeah, they've been on a slide, obviously. Um, I said to Tyler that the Jags were not making the playoffs, or excuse me, that the Dolphins were not making the playoffs. This was maybe a week or two ago. But based on their schedule, I think they might somehow just be in. They got to play the Patriots and the Jets, I think. Is that correct? Yeah, Patriots and then at home, Jets. Yeah, so I think they can win one of those. They would be 9-8, and eight, and I think that would be good enough for a playoff spot. Yeah, that would be, because part of it is lose both, and that helps the Jaguars right. get the last playoff spot. So, right. But if the Patriots win, and then the Patriots then play the Bills in Week 18, then the Patriots could get the, the wild card spot at 9-8. and eight. So uh, there's still a chance. That whole AFC East is still up in the air. It's a little clearer now how it's going to play out, but I think all those teams and the bills still have to play the Bengals. Um, all those teams like play each other these last two weeks. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, the dolphins opened the season, Kyle, Mm -hmm. 
three and zero. Then they went zero and five. Then they went four and zero, and now they've gone zero and four. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Tua. He's concussed again, like the poor guy. He's probably not going to play the rest of the year. Um, three concussions in a season, or maybe it's too official, but he really had three or something. But um, just sucks. And I like Mike McDaniel. It seems like the players like him. Uh, I think Tua had a good year. I think he was getting a little exposed. I think he does not have that great or strong of an arm. I think he's relatively accurate most of the time. Um, but I don't think they're necessarily in worse shape with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, when he came in earlier this season when Tua got hurt, he did okay. Obviously, I know the one game they got blown out pretty bad. But other than that, I think he did relatively fine. Uh, I think he's got a stronger arm, and he's been a starter in this league. So I don't think it's all lost for the Dolphins. Um, I think they're in much better shape with Bridgewater than some other teams might be with their backup. Um but yeah, they they really just need to clamp down on defense and uh, you know help their offense out as much as possible. Yeah, that's what it's going to come down to is that defense stepping up like we've seen from them. Uh, let's take a look at this real quick. The playoff predictor, um, since we are talking about the Dolphins, the Dolphins would currently be the seven seed at eight and seven. Uh, Chargers just locked up their uh, playoff berth at nine and six. It's going to be between them and the Ravens, I think, for the fifth seed, depending on how that goes. The Ravens have the Steelers this week and then the uh, the Bengals to close out the season. But this is where it stands now. All that could change if the Patriots beat the Dolphins, but then the Dolphins beat the Jets. Who knows what can happen uh, with that seventh spot. But right now, there are only two spots left up for grabs in the AFC, and that is the final wild card spot and the AFC South division winner. Um, and it seems pretty clear what teams are competing for each of those spots. Um, but it is going to be a fun final two weeks to watch. And with that being said, week 17, Kyle, let's look ahead to this coming week and identify the best game of week 17 in your opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple good ones, but I would imagine it's got to be the Bills versus the Bengals on Monday night. Um, Bengals actually still have a shot at the one seed, I believe, um, which is crazy. Can you confirm that by chance? No, they do. Yeah, because yeah. if they win out and go 13-4 and four and the Bills lose out and go 12-5, and five, which would be a loss to the Bengals. Bengals have the tiebreaker. Right. And then a they loss... To the, well, even if the Bills don't lose to the Patriots, if both these yeah, teams yeah. finish 13 and four, the Bengals, the Bengals would have, have the tiebreaker. Tie right. And then it would matter on what the Chiefs do down the stretch. But um, and the Bengals yeah. beat the Chiefs. They did 27, 24. So the, the, the Chiefs are currently 12 and three. The Bills are currently 12 and three. And the Bengals are currently 11 and four. If all those teams end with the same record, the Bengals get the first round by. Yep. I mean, the Chiefs have the Broncos and Raiders to finish out. So, um, you know, they're probably going to win both of those games. But if they lose one and then they happen to tie the Bengals, the Bengals do have the tiebreaker. The yeah, uh, yeah the, the, the uh, Broncos should be relegated to a different league because they are just trash firing Nathaniel Hackett. Russell Wilson looks like a high school quarterback at best, and no one knows what's happening in Denver. Uh, they have yeah. too many weapons to be this shitty. Um, but with how honestly, with how the Broncos have looked and how the Bucks have looked, the Jaguars kind of lucked out not getting Hackett or Leftwich this offseason with what we've seen from Peterson. Um, just to go a different route, I'm going to say Vikings Packers is the best game of week 17. Mm -hmm. um, this is like a battle of, you know, the the teacher versus the student kind of thing uh, where the, the Packers have been kings of the NFC North for so long. And the Vikings, this is finally their year. Not that the Packers will win the division by any means, but the Vikings have an opportunity to really shut Grandpa out of the party by beating the Packers. Um, so if the Vikings can get that done in Green Bay, going to Lambeau at 425 on New Year's Day um, is going to be a tough challenge for this Vikings team, who again just won another game by single digits. Their 11th single digit victory of the season. Or tw is it 12? Or 11 sure. now. They've right. won 11 or 12 games, 11, by single digits. Four, three, seven, eight, eight, three, three, seven, five, three, 
in three. This team has won every one score game that they've been yeah. in this season. Um, so they continue to find ways to win, which sometimes is all it takes. They found a way to beat the Giants, but now they have to play Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, who have won 15 straight games in December um, when it matters most for the Packers. So uh, that's my best game of Week 17. Nice. Going to be a fun one. Lock of Week 17, Kyle. Who's your lock? Um, <laughs> I think it's got to be the... It's got to be the Lions. I'm going back to the well. It's got to be the Lions. They're playing in Chicago. Uh, Chicago's been bad. In no, they're, the they're playing in Detroit. Oh, they're playing in Detroit? Yeah. Okay, my bad. I had the uh, wrong – or I was looking at it wrong. Um, no, you're good. But, yeah, I think the Lions will win that. I think they're still in the hunt for the playoffs. I don't know exactly what they need to happen, um, but I think they need to win now is what needs to happen, honestly. I guess the Commanders, yeah, they need the Commanders to lose and the Lions need to win out and the Seahawks need to lose. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that needs to happen in all directions. Like, And it might just be one or two things, but it changes the entire complexity of the NFL or the playoff picture changes the entire complexion. It's crazy. Um, My lock of the week is going to be giants over the Colts. Um, Giants team still battling for the playoff spot as well against the Colts team. That looks terrible. Nick Foles looks bad. Everything looks bad. Jeff Saturday looks bad. Nothing looks good in Indianapolis. Um, So the, the giants need to get that win. I think to secure their playoff spot at nine, six and one. Yeah. that game couldn't come at a better time for them. Yeah, they need that game badly. Um, circling that Colts game. So the Giants, that's going to be my lock of the week. They're currently five-point favorites, which seems a little uh, a little low. I should tease our, our locks. That would be kind of fun if I did a teaser with our two locks. <laughs> um, and let's get to upset special in week 17, Kyle. Um... <laughs> Bengals over Bills, one-point underdog. Yeah, I think I'm just going to go Seahawks over Jets. Again, the Seahawks are in a must-win position. I haven't been too keen or too high on the Seahawks lately, but the Jets are just that bad, and the, the Seahawks really, really do need a win. So uh, not sure why the Jets are favored. They shouldn't be favored against anybody. They shouldn't have been favored against the Jaguars. I really don't get it. Uh, I guess maybe Mike White's playing, so they get the Mike White bump. But, again, I just think as a whole the team is not producing offense. Who would have thought we would live in a world where we're saying a Mike White bump? Like, that is just absurd. Like, we thought yeah. it was a flash in the pan last year, his win against the Bengals. And now here we are. The The Jets fans couldn't be happier to have Mike White as their quarterback. Um, that's just beyond me. But I love it. I'm here for it because he's a good guy and fun quarterback. Great guy. Um, I'm going to go. My upset special is going to be Panthers over the Bucks. I mean... This team is hot right now. These two teams are going in completely different directions. The only thing separating them is the fact that one of them has a Hall of Fame quarterback and the other doesn't have a long-term franchise quarterback. Um, But the Panthers are doing so much more with so much less right now. And I think that tells me that this team is playing for more than just the record and more than just, you know, the, the score. They're playing for themselves. They're playing for their coaches and they're playing as one. I'm really, really, really bought into the Panthers right now. And I really want them to make the playoffs. And that could happen with a win over the Bucks on uh, on Sunday. So yeah. that'll be my upset special. And the Bucks looked awful against the Cardinals. That should have been a game that they, you know, I don't want to say crush because they've been so bad this year, but could have, should have won by a touchdown or 10 points or something like that. You know, nothing crazy, maybe like a 21 to 10 type game, keep it low scoring, but they had to really work. They had to go to overtime. Uh, and you're absolutely right. The Panthers just stomping out the lines probably gave them a lot of hope going into this week. Yeah. And the bucks are favored by three points. Like it just, how do you watch both those games last week and say the bucks are the better team? Maybe from the standpoint of, we have the better players. Yeah, I get that. But you got to look at what's happening on the field, which is why the Jaguars line against the Jets last week was just absurd. Um, nonetheless. Yeah, I think I don't think you can give Brady any points down the stretch for a playoff push. I'd imagine that's where Vegas heads at. If they're going to get beat, they'll get beat. Uh, people taking the Panthers as the dogs instead of the Bucks as the dogs, you know? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like you you can't you, you got to you got to force people to try and take the other way um, yeah. rather than. 
you give Brady points in December, the, it's going to be 80% money on them. So exactly. um, uh, Niners only six point favorites against the Raiders is a little suspect to me. Does that seem right? Uh, if the Niners have clinched and clinched, then it seems fine. Where are they at as far as their, do they have the one seed lock or no, they got the Eagle. Are they, is it possible for them to get the one seed or are they locked in? Um, so they're 11 and four. Let's pull this back up. Uh, so they're the three seed. Now they're two games back. Um, of, yeah, no, they're going to be playing cause they have a chance for the two seeds still. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why it would be that. Maybe the Purdy people haven't fully bought in on Purdy yet, um, or they're still waiting to see how how he shakes out. I don't know. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting line to me. There are a lot of interesting lines this week, actually. Chargers only six and a half point favorites over the Rams. Uh, Rams fifty one points this last week against the, the Broncos. Yeah. The only part of my my Christmas Day teaser that didn't hit was the under in that game, and it was not even close. Nope. Um, to take him but all right man anything else from you before we call it an evening here episode 147 uh no not really man i just hope that uh the jaguars can do their thing i know you said that uh etn a uh, thousand yards christian kirk only 12 yards away from a thousand yards receiving uh zay jones nearing 800 yards so two receivers over 750 is great and then uh i think ingram should be creeping over 752 so um you know love that that we're spreading the ball around and getting that type of production out of four key players here we go right here kyle here's the season stats i just made you read them off when i could have pulled them up here so um definitely a lot of good numbers there it looks like we're gonna have three 800 plus yard receivers at minimum, man, it would be nice for one of those Jones or Ingram to go for like a 200 yarder and yeah. somehow have 2000 yard receivers. Um, definitely love seeing that. Let's uh, let's predict the stat line real quick, Kyle, for Trevor Lawrence in this one. I'll go uh, completion percentage. I'll go 76 percent completion percentage. I'll go 310 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions and plus. 60 plus yards on the ground. Um, okay. That would be a great stat line. Um, well, what would you, what, let's predict it. What do you go okay. with? I'm going to go 70% completion, 230 yards passing, two TDs, 40 yards on the ground. Okay. All right. We'll see who's closer. Those are vastly different. Uh, game flow. You're, you're playing off of the game flow. Let's feed it to ETN yeah. and hasty. Get 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 it to Agnew in space. Uh, we could ramble on forever, but hey, man, appreciate you. Well, the last thing I was going to say though, just about Christian Kirk too. He has 16 plays over 20 yards um, and 49 catches for a first down. So um, moving the chain, Zay Jones also I think had 43 catches for first down. So um, 49 catches for first downs. Yeah. So I mean, he's averaging 13 yards a catch. So yeah, you know, <laughs> 60. 60% of his catches are first downs or so round about there. So, right? so only 27% of his catches have not been a first down. That's, that's crazy. Um, that's, that's wild to me, but I love that stat. That's a good stat, but all right, man. Well, I appreciate you being here. Here's to a Jaguars victory on Sunday. Let's get it done versus the Texans. Those out there listening. Thank you for being here for episode 147. Appreciate the support. As always, the channel is growing, and it's not because of me. It's because of you. So thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening, and thank you for enjoying all of this content. Go enjoy this weird week between Christmas and New Year's, but go have a happy New Year's Eve and all the blessings to you and your family going into 2023. Go make this world a better place and take care. How can I be the man when you're the man? How can I be the man when you're the man? How can I be the man when you're the man?